welcome to the Travel Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, January 18th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone. We've got a great show coming up today, a really exciting guest. But before I bring our guest on for the show, I want to tell my travel advisor listeners about this awesome new webinar you're going to want to attend next week. That's the Virgin Voyages webinar, Tuesday, January 25th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Learn about how you can save your customers 20% off on their sailings and you, a travel advisor, can earn 22% commission. Love to see that. Great for Virgin Voyages, offering such a great deal for our travel advisors out there. And joining me on the podcast now is travel expert, TV host, Emmy Award winner, Samantha Brown. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Eric. Great to be back. Yeah. How are you doing on this lovely Tuesday here, Travel Tuesday? Um, I'm doing wonderfully. It's it's brisk and cold. I'm coming to you from uh, Brooklyn, New York. A little overcast, typical January day, but uh, no complaints. So Very nice. Yeah, I'm down here in the south in Georgia, so we got some snow this past weekend. So there's still a little bit on the ground over there. It's uh, nice to look at briefly, which is good. So uh, we got, excited. You got snow in Georgia. I know it is very rare. Yes, I'm very excited. Uh, the two year old went out and loved it this year. Didn't love it so much last year. But yeah, we got like three inches where I live. So I was. Uh, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Nice. So it um, was pretty good about that. Obviously, you know, the winter travel scene here, we'll talk about it in the trending stuff. And later on in the show, um, Samantha and I are going to talk about season five of Places to love her new her show uh, coming up later. Uh, but first, as we do on every show, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with some of those uh, winter travel woes. Unfortunately, we've had several thousand flights were delayed and or canceled this past weekend due to a snowstorm hitting the East Coast. Uh, myself here in Georgia, I got about three inches, which is awesome. Uh, Atlanta got kind of a, a dusting, so there wasn't a whole lot of issues. Uh, for the the big hub airport there. But, you know, it happens every year. Uh, there's uh, snowstorms and weather impacts. Mother Nature loves to uh, throw a wrench into travel plans all the time. But, you know, still millions of people continue to travel during the winter. You know, we know the risks, yet we still choose to book trips. And that is the power of travel, the beauty of travel there. So, uh, Samantha, are you an escape the cold for warmer weather type uh, during the winter travel since you, you know, live up in the Northeast there? Uh, or you uh, would you do you embrace the snow? Would you rather the snow? I embrace the snow. I love snow. I grew up in New England. The dreams of, you know, you know, no school snow days and I still live large in my life. And um, I wish it would snow every single day. Having said that, when we travel, because we have young children, uh, well, they're, they're nine, so they're not too young. We go to Florida. So we seek out the warmth because that's what they want. They want to be in a pool. They want to be in the ocean. They want to feel the sand. And, and hey, it ain't so bad when you finally get down there. So I love the sun. Um, but I will say, I just, oh, I, I wish, I, I, I want to do like snowshoe trips. I can't wait till I can finally go on the, the big winter trips that I want to go on. Um, because yeah, I'm more of a snow seeker. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, I love the snow for about a day or two, but I think that's because I'm <laughs> from Georgia and the South. And, you know, if you don't get your bread and your milk in time, the store is ravaged. And, uh, I went to the store yesterday, still no bread and the snow stopped snowing on, on Sunday. So, uh, and also, you know, they're not really prepared for the roads down here. So after about a right. day or two, it's just kind of an annoyance of like, all right, let's get it together folks. But you know, it's, yeah. uh, uh, as a winter, as an expert traveler though, winter is a, is a, is a key time for a lot of cancellations. As I mentioned, we saw so much this past weekend. So what are your uh, kind of go-to tips for traveling during the, these winter months? Yeah, I travel a lot during the winter and there is more of a game plan that you have to have in place. And it was some, it was a bit of a game plan people should have had like in December with all the disruptions as well. Um, one, I never book anything unless it's a direct flight, right? That's just, 
you know, make it easy. It's got to be a direct flight because if you don't have a direct flight, clearly, you know, things get compounded that just things worsen. Um, so direct flights are a must. Um, I know if a storm's coming, I know the weather five days out and I watch it diligently. And if I see there's a storm coming, uh, I'll start to know what my uh, alternative flights are and write them down and have them with me. So when I get on the phone with uh, an agent or maybe if I'm at the airport, uh, I can say, hey, can you get me on this flight? And, and I've already done all the work for them. So they work harder for me to do that. Um, I obviously never go to an airport if there is a storm coming. And air, airlines have been really great in the last, I would say, three or four years of just preemptively just canceling flights when they see a big storm coming and knowing you don't have to, well, we don't have cancellation fees anymore, so that's gone. So those are the few things that I do. I just have in my pocket some flights that I want to get on. Um, if the first one doesn't uh, leave, direct flights are a must. I book directly with the airline, which I think gives me a lot more status when I'm waiting online. And also, whenever I'm at my, my home airports, and I have three of them because I'm based in New York, so uh, Newark, LaGuardia, and JFK, I've started to look where they have those um, automatic kiosks on the other side of security where you could change a flight, you can change your seat, and you don't even have to wait in line. I know where those are, so if... There is sort of a big change while we're all at the gate waiting for the flight. And, oh, gosh, the flight's been canceled. I hate, I hate hightail it to those areas um, instead of, like, getting on a phone or maybe waiting in line for customer service or everyone lines up at that gate check. I know where that, that, that digital reader is, which hopefully will get me a little closer or, or quicker service um, and uh, response than waiting in a long line with uh, 300 other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Great advice there. No one wants to wait in lines and or hold times too, as uh, that has been quite the experience for a number of travelers over the last uh, two years, just with everything going on. So you touched a little bit about, you know, you like to, your kids like to go to Florida and stuff, but what are some top winter travel destinations that you think should be on everyone's radar? Oh gosh. Well, um, Quebec city is one of my favorite places and they have their winter carnival coming up, I believe the first or second week of February. Um, and it is magic. It is absolutely a magical place where they just, again, celebrate winter, which I love. There, they have the only ice hotel in North America where you can actually stay overnight in a room entirely made by ice, even the bed. And uh, if that so seems fearful or just um, you would never want to do that, just know that like 50 feet away is your real hotel with a real room. <laughs> so if you just want to like cut your losses and go, it's too much. You can go back and stay in, in your real hotel. Um, but I love it. I love people who embrace winter. So that's one of my favorites. Um, and then there's just like Palm Springs, California, which is a wonderful destination in the winter. Great mod uh, architecture to check out. Vintage furniture and clothing shops. Great cocktails and and just this whole kind of adult vibe. So maybe not so good. Fins, although Joshua Tree is a good day trip. Uh, three hours from there in Coachella Valley. Um, Florida, of course, Florida's great. I love Southwest Florida. Um, we go down to Marco Island every winter. Uh, that's by Naples. That's um, by also then you've got Fort Myers and Captiva and Sanibel, which is famous for its seashell beaches. So those are the few places that I love. And because I'm a New England girl, I always want to give a, a shout out to one of my favorite cities, and that's Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, this is a, a seacoast harbor city that was founded in the um, mid-1600s, so beautiful architecture, wonderful history, and uh, you can walk on the beach. You're right there by Maine, which I love, Maine beaches, and then when it's really cold, and I took my kids on a beach walk uh, Thanksgiving, it was 
31 degrees. I'm like, we're going on the beach. You are New Englanders. And uh, there's always clam chowder at the end and, and, you know, lobster with hot butter. So those are some of my picks. Just give you a little smattering of different ways to really embrace the winter. Yeah, and a variety of destinations too. I think that you know appeals to a lot of different travelers out there. Whether you you do want to seek the sunshine or the warmth, or you want to embrace that cold and that snow, and uh, there's always good food at the end of it when you do uh, get back inside and get warmth and everything. So love some lobster and clam uh, chowder there. But um, yeah, speaking of destinations though, there has been a lot of new updates on popular tourist spots around the world. So I'm just going to quickly run through kind of here real quick. Uh, the U.S. State Department issued nearly 40 travel advisories already to kick off the year. We're only we're midway through January, so not a great uh, start there in the destination side of things. There are 23 total in the last week. Uh, some of those key places uh, that got a level four do not travel recommendation included Canada and Jamaica, unfortunately. We also had uh, some good news on the side is the uh, UK is reportedly going to lift testing requirements for vaccinated travelers by the end of January, which is encouraging for, you know, uh, the UK's recovery in, in the travel sector there. Hopefully more people would be enticed to to go to that as some of the restrictions are, are down. Um, Mexico is a place that has not had very many restrictions at all, but they appear to be getting, at least some destinations appear to be getting a bit stricter on the COVID requirements as Puerto Vallarta and Riviera Nayarit have ordered establishments to begin requiring patrons to present proof of vaccination or a negative PCR test within the last 48 hours to be able to enter certain places like uh, public places, that is, uh, like bars, clubs, casinos, stadiums. So you're going to see some of that happening in those destinations and potentially other spots of Mexico. That remains to be seen. Obviously, Cancun, Los Cabos, huge tourism destination. So it remains to be up in the air on that one. But uh, Spain is now tightening restrictions. You're going to need a booster shot to be able to get in there. I think booster shots are going to be kind of the new wave of requirements. And we're already seeing it here in the U.S. too, as far as needing it to get her to some public places. But as far as actually traveling to a destination, Hawaii has been the strictest in the U.S. And they're actually going to require a booster shot to be considered fully vaccinated. So you can skip the traveler quarantine on that one. So that is supposed to happen in a couple weeks. They haven't announced an official date of when that will kick off. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned and check out Travel Pulse when uh, we will definitely update that story, too. So, you know, destination requirements, Samantha, they're constantly changing. So it's all the more reason to work with a trusted travel advisor. So what has been your experience like working with a travel advisor over the years? I know you're familiar. Um, you have one you work with. I think it's AAA a lot. So, yeah, just uh, things go smoothly when you have one. Um, things go smoothly and you have an advocate. And that's that's it. That's some um, key for these days, especially if you're traveling outside of the United States, um, maybe not inside the United States, although Hawaii obviously kind of acts as sort of an international destination in that respect. Um, but, you know, and, and I know a lot of people who, especially Americans, when we travel overseas, we don't want to hit just one country. We want to go to a few, right? We're finally getting over there. And so that even compounds the difficulty, that challenging layer of, well, different countries and even in the European bloc have different restrictions. So in that sense, I think just a travel advisor is imperative because, um, you know, things change on a dime. And I still feel like even though they change so quickly, a travel advisor um, can see things down the pike further than we can. Um, or maybe I'll just speak for myself. Like a lot of times I'm like, what, we can't go to Canada? Like, oh, I didn't realize that that restriction came in because I'm just not monitoring it every single day, which is what you need to do to be on top of things. So having that person who's going to get that information sometimes before it's even like put on their website, on a place's website is really um, uh, key. I mean, certainly 
yeah, it, you, you have to be vaccinated and you have to have a booster shot if you're going to go anywhere internationally. Even even if it's things ha- aren't that way now, they most likely could change in three weeks. And then now you can't go on that trip. So I feel like if you're traveling internationally, you should just be boosted. Um, that's um, that's going to create a smoothness to your tra- travels. But yeah, travel advisors for me have always been again, that, that just that advocate for you, as well as making sure that you have someone who has VIP access, especially if that's not you, <laughs> they do because of their connections. And that is what you are creating that relationship for, right? You're creating that relationship for to have that advocacy and to have connections where you don't have them. Absolutely. Advisors are the way to go. I think they're in for a big boom of business here coming up in the future, too, as all this pent up demand just keeps building and building. And, you know, the new variants that popped up with Delta and Omicron canceled a lot of trips for still a lot of people. So I think people rescheduling and looking ahead to the summer and maybe the uh, holiday time for the end of 2022. uh, Hopefully advisors can see a pickup in business as far as destinations, though. Do you think there's any specific ones out there that might see a boom in tourists once these travel restrictions are uh, hopefully lifted, you know, towards the end of the year? I mean, I think, you know, for me, the biggest boom, I mean, I'm just waiting and is China or Japan. I, I just want to go to Asia. It just feels so far off. I cannot believe how long. And, and I understand it. Right. But it's just, wow, um, this is incredible. So I feel like, the, you know, those are because we have been able to go to Europe. Right. So people are still really excited about Europe. But we've been able to go to Europe for, I don't know, since what, May? Last May uh, of 2000? Yeah, Ju- uh, June. Yeah, June. Spain, June, I think, was like June, the first, right, to, right. first one. It was like the first week of June. They were the first to open. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was able to go to France over the summer and it was wonderful. It was just just fantastic. And it really felt all very normal. Once you follow, follow all the protocols and and have what you need, you're, you're fine. Um, other places that I think will experience a big boom are the Caribbean um, islands. Um, you know, there's just so many. We're so lucky as North Americans to have access to this group of islands that are also beautifully unique in their own respect. And a lot of them have been um, doing well with this. Um, even even Jamaica, I think they were one of the first to open up even back in like 2020. Mm-hmm. We see the, the, the countries and the islands that were diligent from the beginning. And then there's a trust really created by that traveler and that place. And once that trust is uh, created, you just know they're doing the right thing and you want to keep going back. And so they've really established this great rapport with with travelers of just saying, hey, we understand and we, we, we want to protect our own people as well. It's a two-way street. It's not just travelers get to come and have the time of their lives. Is it Are the people here being protected as well, the servers, the hospitality industry, making sure that the actual, you know, um, citizens of the place are also um, treated with respect and, in terms of health. Um, so I think though, like the Caribbean will be huge because people just want that warmth and they want that hospitality that it's known for. Yeah, back in the, a year ago at this time, I talked to a lot of travel advisors and they were saying that, you know, the, the Caribbean is going to be big for them. They're forecasting a really big Q4 and then then Delta happened in the summer and that kind of uh, threw a wrench on a lot of things and the Omicron too in December time. So I'm, you know, very hopeful that a lot of that will transition. And I think, you know, that their peak time in the Caribbean is typically later in the year and the people escaping the cold for the warmth. So I'm, I'm very, very hopeful that it will be that way 
uh, at the end of 2022 here and they'll see a huge boom. And I'm with you on Asia. Like I, I missed that. I know Thailand mm-hmm. just recently opened a little bit and they're going to be yeah. um, getting more. Japan, unfortunately, is continuing strict border yeah. rules through February. You have to comply with a quarantine in place uh, for a few days once you get there. So that's kind of hindering them in their recovery right now. But I think that should hopefully all lift by like the summertime. So it was like last summer it was Europe and very hopeful that this summer will be kind of a, uh, the opening of Asia and a lot more destinations that you can get out to there. So we're you're already seeing uh, people spending more and uh, booking longer times too for Europe. So I think that trans that will transition into Asia too, which will hopefully really help their recovery in that front. I did mention Thailand. They're actually adding a new nine dollar tourism fee. So I'm curious, Samantha, what do you think about destinations adding tourism fees as the world removes from travel restrictions? Do you think that might prevent people from visiting, or are you you in favor of that? Um, no, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's nine dollars flat. That's pretty, pretty. Not, that's oh, yeah. uh, that's kind of neither here nor there. I don't know if it's a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars. Yeah, maybe I substantially I would then reconsider. But a, a fifteen dollar fee here, a thirty dollar fee there. I don't even know what there is for. You know, um, yeah, that that's fine. That wouldn't um, stop me from going to a destination. Yeah, there's been a lot of tourist tax and tourist fees um, in place, even pre pre pandemic, and some of that was to kind of help. Uh, combat over tourism a little bit. And now we're seeing these new fees. I think Cancun had one. They were one of the first ones after the pandemic wave uh, once they kind of reopened and stuff and to help with infrastructure and all that. And I, I'm all for it. I, I think destinations, if you, they've been hurting for so long, you know, if they, you know, $9 is well, like a few cups of coffee or something like that. So uh, yeah, no okay. issues for me on that. So I won't be surprised if you see more uh, places implement that uh, moving forward in 2022. So um, yeah, that wraps up on the destination front. And just real quickly, um, news-wise on the cruise news, the CDC announced last week that it would let the conditional sale order expire and it would transition to a voluntary program for COVID medication on cruise ships. Voluntary doesn't mean that the cruise ships will be regulated by the CDC, though. The cruise ships can choose to go their own way or they can choose the healthy sale option. But regardless of what they do, they're still going to be under that CDC's regulatory authority. Uh, unfortunately, right now in the cruise industry side of things, we're seeing some cancellations and some uh Cruise ships um, not sailing at the moment. Uh, Royal Caribbean and Celebrity Cruises are the latest. Norwegian Cruise Line unfortunately had to cancel uh, mid-sailing, leaving their passengers stuck on the ship for a few days uh, at sea um, where they thought they'd be going to ports. Now they were just on the boat the entire time as they did a U-turn. So some of the passengers had absolutely no issue with that because these big ocean ships are kind of destinations into themselves. So Samantha, what are your thoughts on the current state of the cruise industry? Would you go on a cruise ship right now? To our listeners who don't know, Samantha's actually a godmother of Amawa Waterways River Cruise Ship, which is really, really cool. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no, I I love it too. Um, I I hope to get back on the Amma Magna this this summer as well. Um, The short answer is yes, I I would take a cruise. I I would. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at it, okay, it's the only entity in the travel industry where you have to be vaccinated and you have to show a test, a negative test to board. And of course, there are a few days in between. And now we know with Omicron, it's more all of that. But the truth is they are held to a standard that no one else is in this industry. Um, No one's asking Disney World for how many of their staff or their employees or their cast members have called in, you know, are sick with COVID or who's in that resort? Are they sick? Have they tested? No one asked that. And yet we have it with this. And I get that you're on a boat and you're on the water and maybe there feels, it feels a little more isolated, but I just think when it comes to an industry, a part of the travel industry that does so much to mitigate 
um, COVID, you know, uh, has so many mitigation measures for COVID, as well as they just, they, they've done this before with the norovirus, right? So they're, they're doing they're doing everything they can, and they're making one of the safest environments there are there is in travel. And I would just I would I would feel fine being on a cruise ship. It's funny when people ask me like, oh, you know, when you travel in the winter, if I did have to travel through or connect through an airport, it would be through Chicago. And a lot of people would feel like, why would you go to Chicago? It's always snowing there. I'm like, exactly. They know snow. They have like 150 icers ready to go at a moment's notice, right? They're the ones where you want to show up because they know what they're doing. For me, that's the cruise industry in a virus situation. They know what they're doing. And even the numbers that have come back of, of, of passengers, when you look at the overall number of passengers that were fine, I mean, it's pretty nominal, Um and I just, I, I feel like you look at the, you know, what, 2 million people cruised safely um, this year with no incident. It's, it's okay. Of course, Omicron has given us this, up, this, this spike of concern of virus numbers, but the spike goes down pretty quickly and we all are resilient. We all then make decisions based on um, our own health. Uh, I would go, I probably wouldn't bring my kids, but I would go because even in, as, in a large ship, I can always find the places to have to myself. And I love doing that. That becomes a real goal of mine. I never want to hang out in the pool with everybody. I never want to yeah. go dancing at the bars at night. I'm not a partier, but I do want to have a, an, a, a relaxed time, nice food, maybe a good spa treatment. And I would feel fine being on a cruise. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I went on three cruises last year and it was a phenomenal experience. I kind of like being a little uh, smaller capacity levels on those. Yeah. So I, I know that the days of uh, that are numbered probably by the summertime. You could see a lot. I more know, of it's the, true. No, yeah. Yeah. What is it? Is it like 85% capacity they're at or um, it 50 kind of, to 85? Yeah, it varies by cruise line, honestly. Okay. And um, a couple weeks ago, I had uh, Clea's uh, vice president of their trade relations on and he said that he went on one ship that was 100%, but it wasn't a, like a massive 6,000 person ship. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think right now, yeah, they're around. It, it varies by ship to ship. So and, and um, cruise line as well. So it kind of depends. And I think that's something you would have to talk to your travel advisor if you are concerned about, you know, yeah. how many yeah. people are on, on a boat at, at your given time and when you're planning to sail and everything. So uh, that's mm-hmm. a baby in the background. Sorry about that. That's I love podcast. it. I hear she, she agrees or he agrees. <laughs> yes, she, she, she agrees. She, she would love a, a cruise for sure. I'm sure that that might be on the radar uh, later this year. I don't know. So yeah, um, but, I used to, you know, when I would go on the big cruise ships, and this is a long time ago, I would always spend my first few hours on board doing a big, um, just a, a walk around the ship finding those little spots that I knew no one would else would find. There's always this cool deck that's right below the bridge that no one's at, but they have lounge chairs and you see the, the you know, the water in front of you. And I would, I would find out little tiny like um, buffet areas that were just kind of tucked away. The bigger the ship, the more of these, like you really can approach yep. a large cruise ship. Like you would any like large city like Rome or Paris where there's where everyone flocks to and then there are all the side streets and all the little little areas where no one knows where you can eat and you can rest and you can read a book. And and uh, so I would always find that. So even in a large cruise ship situation, I have always been able to find my own space away from people. And I know people are like, well, why would you go on a cruise ship and, 
generally because it's the voyage it's yeah. it's fun it's it's and then just go down and get breakfast when you want or a cup of coffee or you know soft serve ice cream ready at any point you know it, it's, there's so many luxuries but yeah i think uh, cruising and of course well river cruising isn't um offered right now because it's cold i think they they hunker down until the spring yeah. but oh river cruising is wonderful so for people who don't want to be on a cruise ship because you don't see the land. Well, you always see the land on a river cruise ship. You're always attached to it. Um, smaller ships, a lot less people, 100 to 150 people. So there's still plenty of ways to cruise safely in this world. If you, if you find that maybe a Caribbean weekend cruise with a bunch of partiers isn't your thing, well, that's probably not your thing at all. You might want to try a, a slower paced ship, smaller ships. There's just there's something for everyone when you're cruising. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I really love river cruising too. I did Amma Waterways um, last August on their new ship, Amma Siena. So I'm, I'm hoping to get out on some more river cruises this year as well. There's a lot of uh, destinations to be discovered on that. And especially if you're one who, like me who doesn't like the massive crowds on the ship, I think the river cruise is the way to go for folks who, who want that. So that, uh, that wraps up what's trending in travel. Um, any additional thoughts, you can email me, podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump into the discussion on Samantha Brown's Places to Love Season 5. It is here. A couple episodes already out. We had Asheville, North Carolina was first. Uh, South Jersey just aired this past weekend, I believe. So uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what's, uh, what's next in this season coming up and how can they watch? Oh, boy. Uh, so how you can watch, We are um, you can find us on your local PBS station across the United States. So if you just go to... Um, my website, samantha-brown.com. We have a how to watch. You plug in your zip code and you find out where we air. So that's an easy way there. But this series, you know, we, we shot during a pandemic. And so we shot right here in the United States. So all, all locations are domestic. But what I love about travel is that um, it really uh, allowed us to understand more of that sense of the local right? Really understanding the experiences and the places and the restaurants that we as travelers just get to show up and experience, but understanding the people behind that. Because one thing the pandemic has really brought to light is just how important a community is to us. And a community is, of course, you know, restaurants and, and shops and businesses and local mom and pops. And we supported our own local businesses with true fervor, you know, because it was a part of our own survival and now we can do that whenever we travel. So really to seek out those places that um, provide uh, a lot for their own communities too. So we're less maybe a consumer and more part of that community. So we really, you know, there are destinations that I know people have traveled to and love like Asheville, North Carolina. We really try to show you other things that maybe you didn't know about to really get to know the people and the people of the place as well. New Jersey Shore, um, and then uh, next coming up is Genesee River Valley, which is in upstate New York, much more rural. So we do big cities like Houston, Texas, uh, that everyone knows about. And then we do uh, rural places in upstate New York that is just about land and, and being uh, with a lot of space and beauty and peace in your life. So um, with the United States being the place we travel to, as opposed to we go to Europe, we'll always go to Asia. Uh, we were still able to find incredible experiences real you know untapped you know the united states is still this sort of like untapped gem when it comes to travel destinations yeah there's a lot to explore out there and i think you hit on people and i think that's uh, i was going to ask what separates your show from other travel shows out there and it's really the people right and the stories that they have Ab yeah Ab absolutely so in a lot of travel show i think a lot of travel shows these days are, are, are really food based it's like how to experience a place through its food and while we always show food, we also want to show it for other things. 
And so it is the people. And it's also being in conversation and really understanding and listening to understand, not just to respond. You know, the United States, we're very, we're very responsive right now. Everyone has an opinion. Everybody's very kind of up in arms. We've kind of gone to battle stations in a lot of different viewpoints of our country. But it's when we travel, I think travel is one of the few times that we really allow ourselves to be open to others, to not be so, you know, just sort of stayed in our own thoughts and beliefs. We are there for a reason, and that is to find a, a more meaningful experience, and that really is through others. And so then we do take time to, to, to listen to other people and to see what their perspective is. That That is the key to travel. And so it's really wonderful when um, it's something that I get to show in our own country where, for me, I'm just like everyone else. I watch a lot of news, and I feel like, you know, we, we just – we're, 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 we just hate each other, right? And then when you travel, you realize it's so, we're so far from that. We have so much to connect on and it really just kind of fills your bucket back up. Absolutely, yeah. And one of the episodes you have coming up later in the year is uh, Louisville in bourbon country and uh, I have a, a small connection there. It's my wife's cousin, Dan Calloway, was actually featured, is going to be featured on that episode. He, he I didn't know that and he didn't tell it's, um, us or the, anyone in the family or anything and he just posted it on Instagram one day and I was like, that's Dan with Samantha Brown. What? That's so awesome. So really, really small world there. But uh, looking forward to seeing that episode and uh, some some bourbon too. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, nothing opens you up more than a nice glass of bourbon. And Dan is fantastic. He's fantastic at what he does. Um, my husband's been a big bourbon fan for a good fifteen years. And Dan was able to explain it to me like in 20 minutes, what I haven't figured out for almost two, two decades. I was like, I don't get it. What is this? What's, what's whiskey? What's bourbon? What's this? And he's just like this, this, this. So he was, he is fantastic. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Very much looking forward to that. And um, I do want to ask, you know, you talked a little bit about what filming for the pandemic was like. Can you touch on that a little bit more and like some of the, the challenges that uh, you guys faced as a, a, a pretty solid crew that you have that you're in charge of? <laughs> Yeah, we have, we have eight crew members, and so I'm in charge of their safety as well as responsible for the people who we visit and talk to and, and show in the shows. So there's a lot of responsibility there, and there's a whole layer of safety and precautions and protocols that we um, implement in the group. We also started filming before the vaccine, and so we've been able to actually kind of um, loosen our <laughs> COVID precautions a little bit because we are vaccinated. The people we talk to, we just say, hey, I'm vaccinated, and they offer up that they're vaccinated, and then we feel a little bit better. But so there's always this layer of safety that was not in you know the last 18 years of my career that is now very firmly in place now, and it's of course, masks are worn by our whole crew. I usually wear a mask until then I start talking to people. Clearly, when I start to talk to people, we take our masks off. But we all try to, again, do our own mitigation of just um, lessening any sort of I- exposure. We also now only, we would always want to shoot restaurants when they, it was busy and really pumping. And now we do it in like their low hours where there's not so many people there so we can really control um the setting a little more so it's a little bit more of control of being when places are closed or they're at low level of of attendance so um again we're not mixing with a lot of people and people aren't really you know mixing with us we really kind of zero in on the person we're there to to really showcase and and go from there but yeah there's a lot there's a lot of there's all you know the temperatures are taken and now we we are we're stockpiling our covid tests so we can always test them a little more uh once we start up again in march wonderful so aside from the pandemic though what are some things that stand out the most when you reflect on filming five seasons now of places to love it's pretty exciting 
It is exciting. Um, I never thought I'd get here uh, personally. It's really amazing being able to um, be the producer of your own show and really responsible for everything that a viewer sees. That was very different from my prior job as a host. I was the host hired and then editors would take over and um, kind of branding would figure out how they would want to brand me. And now I have control. And so the, 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 you know, the, the, the what makes that really wonderful is that I, I just get to show people in the way that I've always seen them more behind the scenes and kind of more relaxed. And then we just start rolling the camera and we have really great conversations. Um, for me, uh, the conversation is the key to our show because we really, I feel like we don't really talk to each other anymore in real life, right? We, we place a lot of how we communicate onto social media. And I just want to show that travel is the place where we talk where we can meet each other face-to-face and really care about another person's experience. And so um, it's been amazing five seasons, really delving deeper, not into just a place, but the people who live there to understand more of the soul of the place, what makes it special. And um, this resilience that we as human beings have is incredible. Um, And it's something we see play out every single day during this pandemic. And we've just captured five years of that, and especially season five. Yeah, I mean, is it the the way the way things are compared to you know season one, season two, and now you you've got four and five, you know, with the pandemic issues and and going through that, I think you can kind of lean to into the the people story that you that you thrive on in, in your show there, and how things have really changed so much over the last few years, and how that's going to progress too as you potentially get into you know season six and seven, eight, nine, ten, however many you do. So what what is next for you in twenty twenty two and beyond? Well, we're already planning season six. It's already in the works. We've got four episodes ready, set to go. More winter episodes, which I'm really excited about. Wintry destinations. Um, uh, because, again, I love yep. winter. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anytime I can do more winter destinations, I'm all for it. Um, but, yeah, I think we're, we're continuing on the same bent. You know, even though, uh, you know, we don't want to hit people over the head with we're, we're doing this during a pandemic or COVID is happening. It's just naturally now a part of people's being that everyone has had to be a fighter. Everyone has had to survive in some way. And the way that they've done it is through human connection and with travel. That is our way to tap into that just unending resource of human connection. And that's what we focus on, not just the place, but that connection that comes with it. So it's it's exciting because it's never ending. Yeah, there's so much to love about travel, and I'm really excited for the rest of this season and what's going to be coming up here in uh, future season six as well. And looking forward to following you on social media and seeing the little snippets of of things. So again, thank you so much for for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Uh, How can our listeners follow you on social media? And you want to plug your website as well again? Sure. So my website is samantha-brown.com. Also, you can stream our uh, episodes live from that. So you can always stream um, Samantha Brown Travels on Instagram, Real Samantha Brown on Facebook. And I forget, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not young enough. I haven't done that yet. So <laughs> you won't see me dance. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. Oh, you should. You, you, I, it's the end of the future, I guess. I don't know. I, I have a TikTok. It's true, and I, true. <laughs> I, I did dive deep into that in 2020 when it was like the first wave, I guess, of it. And then yeah, yeah. With, aside from that, because I mean, I wasn't posting dance videos of me. No one wants to see that either. And but <laughs> it's, it's yeah, the travel aspect of things. I think there's some some good stuff there. But yeah, a lot of yeah. <laughs> so uh, awesome. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, safe travels uh, coming up for wherever you're, you're headed next. So 
Eric, thanks again for spending, uh, allowing me to come on. It's been a delight talking to you. That wraps up this week's show. Thank you again to Samantha Brown for jumping on the podcast and talking all things trending travel news at the moment, as well as her new sh- season five of Places to Love. A fantastic show. I highly recommend that everybody check that out. And uh, fingers crossed that another Emmy will be coming her way soon. So definitely check that out. Again, podcasttravelpulse.com. That's the email address. Reach out to me if you'd like to be on the show in the future, and we can potentially work something out. Uh, No show next week, as I will be doing some traveling and celebrating my daughter's birthday as a two-year-old. If you got any tips about having a two-year-old and what's to come for me, I know it is going to be intense, as everyone loves to talk about. So (laughs) reach out to me in an email and uh, give me your tips, because I could definitely use them. Because does anybody know what they're doing on this parenting thing? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) All right, folks, that's it for this show. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. 